So here we go, another episode of the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers in social care. I'm Pierre Raffier Burton. And I'm Ali Rusbridge. So today we're talking to Mark Tops. Now I've been following Mark Tops on social media for quite a number of years. He always has lots to say, has a lot of um always share very generous in terms of sharing uh his views and resources so i thought it'd be really interesting to have a chat to him yeah and he's also got a very interesting career journey because he started working social care as a volunteer when he was 17 and at college and soon progressed to be a manager and he's managed for around about 11 years six of which as a registered manager in in mainly learning disability residential services and some home care as well and currently he's employed as a regional business manager at Essex Cares as well as that he's an award-winning I think he won the Outstanding Contribution to Care Award in July of this year And he writes a regular column on Log My Care. And he, I think he's also appeared on TV and radio, hasn't he? Appeared? Yeah, lots of times. Yeah, absolutely. So really interesting guy to talk to. The thing that also struck me was that he worked as a registered manager when the pandemic started. And uh, in order to keep his family safe, he actually lived away from home for a year, which is such a commitment in that role as registered manager. Yeah. So really looking forward to chatting to Mark. So let's get on with the show. So welcome, Mark, to the Care Exchange. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. We're really excited to, to talk to you. Uh, we've got lots of questions, so um, let's, let's get started. And as, as we heard in the introduction there, you, uh, you were a registered manager for about six years, and then you left your role sort of earlier this year. When you sort of think back of, of, of being a registered manager, what are the sort of things that you learn? Are the sort of things that you think, God, I wish I you know, would have reflected on that? Or when you, were, when you think when you were first a registered manager, are there things you think, I wish I'd known that when I first started? Gosh, I've, I've learned so much. And I think working in social care, you're learning all the time. Um, so yeah, I was I was a registered manager for six years, but I've been managing care homes and home care services since I was twenty. So five years before becoming a registered manager. Um, so I remember moving out of my parents' house a week before I took on my first manager my manager job in the care home. And I think back then it was I had my mum that did everything for me, the cooking, cleaning, and I had care staff that were teaching me how to cook and <laughs> how to do the laundry and. Yeah, people teaching me how to budget things and gosh, the, the list is endless. But I think yeah. in my registered manager role itself, I think it's, you learn so much about the people you're supporting and their life experiences, whether that's mm. you're working with somebody that's a working age adult or an elderly person, their life stories are just fantastic. What they've been through, some of them are extremely sad and some of them are extremely great, but actually you take that kind of on board and you use that skills and that knowledge that you have to support somebody else and to better support that person yeah I think I've definitely learned to adapt and learn new ways of working I think like I said social care is always changing and there's always new people coming into the sector that might be young or they might be older and they've come from other other industries and actually utilizing the skills and the knowledge they have of how it might work somewhere else and putting that into your staff teams I think the biggest thing I've learned is not to be like the managers I've had in the past. (laughs) So I do remember vividly not being able to phone for support, being shouted at if you ask for something. And and I'm not one for wanting reward or feeling valued, but I do remember not feeling valued and not having a work-life balance. So I think when I I kind of 
I'm with my teams. It's something I'm very conscious of. I always want to promote a work-life balance. I want to be somebody that can offer support and be truly contactable. And I like to think that my staff now and when I was a registered manager really knew that they could contact me at any time. And I know that they did because they contact me at all hours of the day. Um, But I think another thing I've learned is that I absolutely hate being called a manager. And I know obviously a registered manager has that in the title and my job title now does. But I think to me, a manager in my head is a term that we use. I don't know. It's when you're telling somebody what to do. Whereas for me, I like to, I don't think of myself as a leader, but I like to think that I am one, if that makes sense. I like to be able to guide teams and guide people to get the best out of them, to have a career progression and to support people and not be afraid to say, actually, you've you've got the qualifications, you know, you can go somewhere else and you can, you can, you know, fly your wings and be, be who you are and lead a team of your own. Because actually that's what social care is all about is giving people the skills and, and the knowledge and, you know, the learning and the training and setting them to, you know, go and do it for their own teams. Yeah. I think if I... That was so much for you to, to, for you to, uh, so much there I I want to unpick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think just your your last point, you know, social care is a fantastic career in terms of developing, isn't it? You know, and your, your career, career path, I suppose, is, it's exactly that, you know, you, you, you know, if you want something, if you want to be a manager, you, you know, you can do that, can't you? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I started when I was 17, was managing by the time I was 20, and then, you know, was a director by the age of 30. And anybody can, anybody can do that. And social care gives you so much flexibility to do that. And I think the one thing that I would say, answering your question about what I would tell a younger version of myself, and it's something I tell care staff coming into the, into the sector now, is that if you're waiting to do a qualification, so I waited three years to do my first qualification in health and social care. And then after I did that, another five to do my, my manager qualification. And actually, when I look back, I wish I'd, I'd left that company. I'd gone somewhere that would give me the training mm-hmm. so that I could develop mm-hmm. at the speed I wanted to. And it's one thing that I say to care staff now, if you go and join a company and they're telling you there's a waiting list for two or three years, then don't hang around. Go and find a company that wants you to, wants you to do the training and wants you to progress. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's so much training out there, and I think that's fantastic advice. Mm. Mm. Um, just moving on. Uh, so one of the things that sort of really stood out for me when I when I uh, you know looked at, at you and your career was um, at kind of kind of I suppose a sideline of what you've been doing over the, over the last few years is it's it's sort of kind of starting petitions. Um, so you've started a number of petitions, haven't you? So what sort of really motivates you to do that? Good question. I think for me, it's just about making change and even not even if it doesn't make change it's about making awareness of something so I, I think some of the things that I campaign for are because I'm passionate so for example care workers being sealed as, seen as skilled professionals is something that I'm really passionate about I truly believe mm, in that yeah. and mm. I started that campaign um, because actually I think as a, a wider society and at a government level and even at a local authority level we need to be seeing care workers you know for the hard work they do and actually being on minimum wage doesn't represent all the work that they do. Yeah. And I think some of the other campaigns, you know, it's more, it's more just because there's an injustice. So obviously during the pandemic, when I campaigned for people with a learning disability to be prioritized for the COVID vaccine, yeah. it was because actually it didn't benefit me at all. But I, I saw that, you know, just because they lived in a learning disability care home, 
meant that they couldn't have a vaccine. Whereas if they lived on their own with their families or in supported living, or if they were a few years older in an elderly care home, they would have been prioritised. Mm. And I think yeah. just because you've got a you've got a disability of, or autism and you're in a care home, it doesn't mean that you should have less of a right as everybody else in society. Yeah. And and do you think others, so other managers listening to this, should, should look at that? Because it's quite a unique thing for a manager in social care to do. To yeah, stop decisions. Um, I wouldn't say it's for everybody because you yeah. do get a lot of backlash. There's obviously people that have the counter view that, that you have. Um, but I think that I would definitely advocate that if you feel strongly about something, that you should definitely speak up. And it might not be that you've got to start a campaign or a petition. It could be that you just share something on your on your social media, or you could share share something that you see just to kind of highlight and raise awareness. Um, but yeah, I think if if you've got a voice and it is something you're passionate about, then why not? Because actually, a lot of the time, you know, you can start a campaign and you can hand it over to somebody that's got a bigger voice than you or has more time to lead on it. And actually just sitting back knowing that you started that or at the end result that like with the vaccine, you know, just knowing that actually something that you started changed the lives, you know, for thousands of people. And it might actually be only changed the life of one person, but actually you changed the life of one person and that's something Mm. to, you know, shout about. Absolutely. And you've got an extraordinary amount of people signing the petitions you've been involved with, you know, so must give a sense of, I suppose, doing something. Because I think sometimes, you know, you might feel that uh, as a manager that you don't have any control over things that's sort of kind of outside your control, but being able to do something um, that makes a, t- a difference. And then when you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people signing those petitions, you must really feel like, gosh, you know, A, what I, I'm thinking, other people are thinking the same, but also I'm doing something that's going to, that, that's kind of given a voice to others, I suppose. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think when you watch the numbers and, and it normally starts slow, you normally have like one signature and then I go to 10 and it is slow, but then all of a sudden you log on and, you know, you've got a thousand and, you know, exactly what you said, it's people, you, you straight away think, oh, people, people, you know, believe in what I believe in. Cause quite often you think that you're the only one that has that opinion or that thought. And I think for me, it's, it's hearing the stories of the people that contact you off the back of doing a campaign, or if you've said something or a petition and yeah, actually listening to how it's impacted on, on them and the difference it's made to them. And that's something that, although I've worked in social care for a long time, that's something and you get a lot of reward is something else. And I can't put my finger on it or what it is, but yeah, just listening to how, how you've made a difference truly. Yeah. I've yeah. got goosebumps just saying it. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can imagine. Yeah. And the other thing, um, so you're really active use of uh sort of twitter and linkedin so what do you think is the benefits of using sort of social media i think there's a lot of benefits i think there's also a lot of negatives and i'll, I'll go through both because i think it's important to balance it i think the biggest thing is networking and meeting new people definitely on linkedin because there's so many people on there that well and and twitter because there's so many people that you'd never actually speak to in your in your day-to-day job or life um I think it's great for staying up to date with latest news and changes in care sector and, and in public, you know, in general. And I think for care providers and for other managers out there, it's a perfect place to showcase what you're doing. Mm. And I think you can, you can be who you want to be on social media. So you can be that motivational person or you can be somebody that, you know, shares information and news and bits and, that are going on. But 
I think for me, you know, in the early days, it really opened my eyes to how care was being done, you know, in places like America and Denmark and actually then using bits and pieces then put into our services that at the time, you know, were, weren't being done. And I think talking of, talking of the negatives, you know, I just said you can be anybody that you want to be and it can be full of very fake people. And, you know, I think there can be, you know, managers on there or providers on there that say they're doing one thing that might not. And I think if you try and compete, you can almost become one of those yourself because you then want to have the same followers. And I never ever look at how many people follow me and I'm, I'm not bothered whether I get one like or a hundred likes on a post, you know, for me, I just put something out there because I think I found it useful and I hope that one other person that looks at it finds it useful. So and I think you, if you oh, sorry, Mark. no, I was just going to ask, what would you say in terms of recommending to other managers around social media? Would you say, even though they're a negative, you'd recommend they used it? A hundred percent, I would say, yeah, definitely recommend using it for the, the reasons I said, you know, networking and meeting new people, sharing ideas, you know, it's something that you can't get anywhere else. And I think, you know, when I look at the Skills for Care Registered Managers group, you know, there's so much support on there that you wouldn't be able to get. And if there's a question you've got about how to support somebody or how to support one of your team members that, you know, you put the question on there and you you get about 10, 20 different replies and actually those 20 or different replies allow you to make a picture of something and then go back and actually put something in place. And it's actually then following that on and networking. You know, I've got people when, when I was obviously away from the family, I had managers that would contact me just to check in. And actually some of them are local to me and I've met up with them, you know, as we came out of lockdown. And some of them, I think, I truly believe will be long-term friends of mine now, but I would never have had that if I wasn't on social media. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I thought it was interesting what you were saying about, um, I suppose, linking a little bit with that petition about having this sort of slightly thicker skin because, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you say something, you, that they, you can get people who, you know, either are not what they say they are or have a very different opinion to you. You sort of have to bear that in mind, don't you, really, when you are using social media, that you are, you know, the more, the more people, the more you're posting, the more you can, you will, are, you know, people will see, see those posts and they will have a view about you and may not actually actually know you. Um, and I think that's sort of something that people sort of think, oh God, I'm not sure I can mm. I can cope with that. How do you cope with that? I think for me, I, I do have a thick skin. So if somebody comments or they send me a direct message with a counter view, I'll actually always push back and ask them why they have that opinion. Because actually I think for me, it's a good way of learning how somebody else sees, sees it. Um, yeah. and not saying that my view is always right. And actually sometimes, yeah, you can be still corrected and learn. And I think if you don't have a thick skin, you can turn off the comments or you can stop mm. people, you know, directly messaging you. And I, I try never to really look at comments. So I might put a post up and occasionally a few days later, I might go through the comments, but actually as they're, as they're coming in, you know, after I recently put it up, I never actually go straight to it because I think sometimes if you get, a negative comment or something that you you necessarily don't agree with it can be quite soul destroying and makes yeah. you feel a bit mm. irate and i think one thing i would say is that if you do want to get into social media it can take up a large amount of your time so make sure you set time aside just for it because yeah, yeah otherwise you end up being drawn in but I think you've helpfully said there, Mark, that you can use it in different ways as well. So if people want to use it just for networking or for asking questions, you can use it in that way or you can get as a, a involved in it as you want. So there's different levels of involvement. Is that what? Is that right, what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I've got people that, you know, 
I know they follow me because they'll tell me that they saw my post, but they never like and they never comment on it, but mm. they see it. And then I've got people that comment on every post. So, you, yeah, you can definitely use it for whatever you want. And I think with privacy settings nowadays, you can be as open or, or private as you want on your social media, whether you want a picture of you or whether you want to be under a yeah. fake name. So, yeah, you can definitely make it and tailor it yeah. to, to you. And I think um, uh, somebody said to me, you could always be a lurker, which I quite, I quite like that <laughs> expression because uh, you could be exactly that. You don't have to, you know, you could just in terms of learning. Um, so, you know, somebody else is on, you know, if you're talking about the Facebook group, even if you don't want to post anything, you can see what other people are, are posting and you can learn from that. You can, if you're on Twitter, you can see all those news and all those great resources and ideas being shared. And even if you don't do anything with that, apart from reading it and then taking the best bits uh, back to your service, you've learned something and you've gained something without, um, you know, we're all different and, and depending how much we want to be involved. So I think that's really good advice. I'm mm. talking, of, talking of Twitter. Um, so I, I did have a, have a look at your, your many, many posts. And it did take me quite a while because you obviously post a lot. But I think one that really stood out for me because I just thought, wow, what a, what a great thing to, to, to think about is that you wrote something about that each week you reflect on that week. Um, why, why do you do that? Yeah, I used to spend a lot more time than I do now reflecting. And I used to do it at the end, normally on a Sunday, I used to do it, but I actually now just do it for, on a Friday for the working week. And I think yeah. that's because now the weekends are spent a lot of time with my children. But I like to look back and I now break it down into two questions. What, what went well that week, the biggest thing, and what didn't go so well? And I think it's important because you can look back and you can celebrate a small or a big win and take time to you know pat yourself on the back and say, actually, you did well then. And I think when you look at something that might not have gone to plan or something that went wrong, you can then analyze it and you can spend as much time then as you want looking at why it didn't go to, go to plan and learning from that. So actually next time you do it, you do it better. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to say that you can end up being there for a long time analyzing each and every bit. <laughs> so I would definitely make sure that you set, you know, I, I tried just to spend, you know, 10 minutes, what went well, 10 minutes, what didn't go so well. So. It's really interesting you say that because I know in, in some of the professional groups like social workers, they're trained to do reflection as part of their practice. But do you think that it's used enough by registered managers or would you encourage people to do it more? I never hear anybody saying that they use it or very few people tell mm-hmm. me that they do it. And I, I definitely think it's a good thing. I think it allows you to kind of have time for yourself looking at what, what has gone well, hasn't gone well, but also a way of, you know, I think definitely over the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of things that we would probably look back and say, actually, we'd have done this differently or we should have done this at that time. And actually, if we don't deal with that now, then, you know, it's going to come out further down the line, whether that's in a few months or a few years, and it's probably going to look yeah. something along the lines of like post-traumatic stress. And actually, if we can debrief ourselves and say, that didn't go quite so well, I'll do this next time. And then like, yeah, on those registered manager groups, you know, you might see somebody post a question and you can think, actually, I did it this way. This is what I learned. I would recommend doing it X, Y, Z. And then you can embed, embed kind of what you've learned to somebody else. Yeah. I think as well, it'd be great to do with a team. I know it's time, but to mm. talk to your team about what's gone well this week and what hasn't and what can we learn from it. It's a really great advice. 
Um, just talking about uh, things you have been involved with, and you obviously mentioned the Facebook group, and I know you're really generous in terms of sharing um, ideas and resources, and you've also been involved with uh, Register Manager, and you write a blog as well, don't you? not for skills for care, but for, for a care company. Why are you so, why, why do you do that? Why, why do you think you spend time, because obviously that's time that you, it's part of your role that you are not doing, why do you think you do that, you know, in terms of sharing ideas? Yeah, so I think everything I do is in my own time, so it's never kind of out of work okay. time. Yeah. Um, so not that I don't think my, my current company wouldn't have a problem with it, but I'm always conscious that actually I'm paid to do a job and I should should do that yeah. and then do whatever separately. But I think for me, I do it because it sits high in my values. And I think I'm told so many times by people that I should monetize it and charge for whatever you know documents I might be sharing and bits and pieces, but that doesn't sit highly in in, in kind of, my life and I think what I do is just to raise awareness and to support other people working in the sector mm-hmm. and I think in the back of my mind I always think that if I can support somebody through something or I can share a document it means that actually they're less likely to leave the sector or then they've actually got more time with the people that they support or the teams that they they're managing and I think you know when I look back at the COVID document pack that I made I did it for just that reason so I wanted managers and directors just to have a suite of resources that they could pick up, make some amendments, pop their company logo on it, and then go back to the people they support, to their staff teams, because actually I knew that otherwise there'd be thousands of managers up and down the country all sat behind computers thinking to themselves, what the hell are we going to write, stressing mm-hmm. themselves up. And actually, if you're stressed and you don't have time, it only goes that back down the chain. So then it goes to your staff, then it goes down to the people that you support. Yeah. Mm. It's an interesting one that you said that you do it in your own time, although you think your current company would let you. Because is it something that you think we should be encouraging everybody in all the organisations to do to share more? And the, the reasons you've just given there that it's it's about not recreating the wheel. Then you can all learn from each other. Should that be more of a culture? Do you think of sharing across organisations? I would love it to be more of a culture. I think when I look back before before the pandemic, I think a lot of care providers kind of stood alone, didn't they? Did their own thing and there wasn't Mm. much sharing. And I think COVID did really bring social Mm. care together with, you know, sharing what people were doing, sharing documentation, sharing tips, doing things online with each other. And, you know, that is something I think COVID did great for the sector. And yeah, I would love it that there was more time, you know, where people are utilising. But I think, you know, the Facebook groups, like, you know, the Skills for Care one, there is so much sharing on there. But, what I would love to see is more people sharing things as opposed to take, take, take. Actually, if you're taking maybe three, three things from that group, give one back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That sounds like a really good idea. And I think, mm. you know, it would be amazing in, in years to the years to come, if there was like a, I don't know, a central bla- place where everybody could kind of put things and you could go and find stuff that you, you didn't have to recreate um uh documents and 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 ideas you know because i think the more we can share the the better really isn't it because mm. you know i think and i think i think it, it should be part of maybe almost every manager's role that you know share one bit um you know take one bit you know it's sort of kind of a a give and take one i think that's a really good good point so just you talked a little bit about leadership earlier so what does leadership mean to you I think leadership to me is being with the team. So being truly part of it, there shouldn't be a kind of a manager in the team. It shouldn't be an us and them, you know, 
being alongside people, showing how it's done, but also asking for their ideas. And if you don't know, asking for help, not, not dominating your staff team. Okay, you have to manage them and there are times when we have to take staff through a disciplinary, but you know, you can do that, but then still, you know, I don't know. In my head, I kind of feel like if you've taken somebody through a disciplinary, there's almost that expectation that you should then treat them differently for whatever reason. And actually we should just learn from whatever that mistake was. And if they're still within the company, then actually bring them back into the team, give them the training that they need and, you know, and value people. I think, Mm -hmm. I think giving respect, I think quite often, definitely in my experience of when I've had managers, it's been very authoritarian and people kind of telling you what to do as opposed to asking. It's just about how you speak to people. And I like to, I like to think that all the teams that I've, I've ever managed, it's been more of a family feel as opposed to a work feel. So actually you get the best out of people and you utilize their skills and not, yeah, you're not scared to say to somebody, actually, can you do this or can you do that for me? Because you're better at it than I am. Cause actually some people, they might be a care worker, but actually they might have worked as a cook for the last 10 years and actually know a lot more, you know, in the kitchen than I would ever know and actually drawing on their experiences and their skills. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what sort of leaders do you think you leader do you think you are? Gosh, I'm terrible with leadership styles <laughs> and I should know, but I, I like to just think that I'm somebody and I know people say it all the time, you know, wouldn't ask some, wouldn't do something that you don't ask, you wouldn't ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Yeah. I like to think that when I was managing the care home, I was on that floor every day. I would take my work home and do it in my own time because actually being alongside the staff team and being with the people that we supported was actually the greatest thing about the job. You know, all the paperwork to me was a side to it. And actually if I could do that in my own time, And I think, you know, just being there so the staff team know that actually you are there to support them, that you know what's going on within your services, that the people that you support see you, you're visible in the service. And actually, you're not just somebody that's sat in an office. You're actually somebody that's there supporting. Yeah. Working alongside people, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you've you've thought about your 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 leadership style and what's important to you quite a lot. Do you think that that's something that managers should do more of to actually understand their leadership style i think sometimes we're so kind of streamed aren't we into what a manager should be and it should be somebody that's sat at the top managing staff and it should be you know monitoring sickness and it should be you know absent and and whatever it might be you know but actually for me i remember you know having a manager and I remember somebody once said to me, don't ever be a manager that's like a seagull. And I've said this before and it, it still sits with me now, you know, a manager that might, you never see them, but they swoop in, they kind of tell everybody what to do, <laughs> almost get funny and then just fly off back to the office and you don't see them again. But actually your staff team and, and the people you support are kind of all flustered and don't really know what's going on. And I, I always think of that. And I always think to myself, actually, if you spend time with people you know truly what's going on. You probably don't really need to ask what's going on because you're actually doing the job alongside them and you get yeah. better outcomes. And actually the, the outcomes for the people you support are a hundred percent better. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Sorry. I'm still laughing at seagulls. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot where I live and they're a menace. <laughs> the swooping in is what they deposit and leave as they go as well. I think. <laughs> a nice analogy. No, nobody likes a seagull. <laughs> 
Brilliant. Th- thanks, Mark. We just um, we always have what we call our time for care slot in every episode. So this is your chance to pass on your most time saving tip to other managers. What, what's your advice? What saves you time? What saves me time? I think being honest with my own limitations and what I can and can't do. And I've definitely learned not just to say yes to everything. And if I need help, remembering to ask for help. And like I said earlier, you know, drawing on drawing on your teams and, you know, not being afraid to delegate and ask somebody to do something for you so that actually you can then focus on doing other bits of the work. Mm. And I think for me, it's just about having that work-life balance. And I'm terrible for a work-life balance. I'm a lot better than I was, but yeah, definitely having a, a good work-life balance is key. So it sounds like don't do as I do, do as I say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, great, that's, that's great. It must be very hard when you have, you sound like a person who's got really high standards and have high expectations of yourself in terms of what you're wanting to do and then managing that with that work-life damage balance it sounds like in your head you have the well I really want to do that and I really want to do that oh but I also want to do that and I also want to spend time with my family um I think we can all relate to to that that you have all these ideas in your head and you sometimes just have to as you say have that honest conversation with yourself and say what is actually really important today for me to do our final question we want you to imagine that we're all in a lift on the 10th floor going down and before people get out on the ground floor we want you to tell them what you think is most important. So your key message to leave them with as they get out, what would you say? I think, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think live life because COVID has shown us that we don't really know what is around the corner. So if you want to go on holidays and you want to travel, then go traveling. If you want to make time for your family and friends, then do that. But yeah, I think just live life and actually be, be who you want to be. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where if you are a registered manager, there's that expectation of what that role is, make it what you want that role to be. Mm. You know, I always think we shouldn't be restricted. And I like to think that, you know, I kind of break the mold when it comes to managers and there's other managers out there like me. And I think it's remembering the values that you came into the sector with and why you joined working in social care. And actually, Mm. if you don't agree with something, then challenge it or stand up for what you believe in. Um, and yeah, don't feel like you have to make a compromise just because somebody's told you that you have to make a compromise if it doesn't fit with you, because actually there's so many care organizations out there in different parts of social care that you can find a company or an organization that fits in with your values and the aims in your life. Mm. That's really helpful advice. Thank you. Amazing advice. Thank you so much, Mark. Goodness me, lots of things to to think about. And uh, thanks very much for being so generous as usual in your ideas and um, your views on on the role as registered manager. Really, really helpful. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. So that was our conversation with Mark. I said it would be interesting and it was, wasn't it? It was, yeah, very much so. So much to share, so much to think about. And as I I said, I've now said a few times, he's so generous with uh, everything that he's thinking, always thinking about other people and thinking about what what am I doing that can help others, either his team, the people he's supporting, other managers, the sector, Society sharing sharing in his own time as well, which is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I know I said at the beginning that uh, I follow him on social media and I, you know, I know he's incredibly, um, you know, good and, and spends so much time um, using social media, so proactively using mm. social media. Um, and I really made me think about, uh, we've done a couple of blogs uh, over the last few months on social media and how social care can really use and, and benefit from using social media. So there was one particularly, which we published back in June, which is about putting social media in social care, a mm. bit of a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> and then we had a recent one around recruitment and social media and how different organizations had used different mediums of social media, TikTok, Instagram, how they'd used that as part of their recruitment and I think it's it's worth just having a look at those blogs you know we, we sort of publish on average one a week um, and they're always very um, current they are what what you perhaps are thinking um, mm. and therefore you know even if you just spend a couple of minutes just having a having a look at, at those blogs either free news or just being keeping an eye on or social media accounts as we said talk, talk, social media <laughs> or or um Oh, on the website, you know, really always really useful to have a look at those blogs, always sharing a lot in terms of what others are doing as well. And we spend lots of time with that. And they're also great because they are short, aren't they? So it doesn't yes. take long to read no. them. Yeah, no, exactly. What stood out for you when we talked to Mark? Uh, well, lots of things, but I think I'm, I'm thinking a bit about what he was saying about reflection, because I think, you know, that is something he, he thought that was a bit underused by registered managers. And, and I, I mentioned before that I know it, it's a really important skill that's taught to some people like social workers, for example. And I think what he was saying about the value of, of looking back and, and feeling proud of something that had gone well, but also being able to really think about anything that perhaps had not been easy or had not gone well and being able to, to really reflect back on it and think about how you do that differently and that that made me think immediately of our learning from events digital learning module that we've got because that's exactly what it's designed for to help um, managers to undertake a learning review which is uh, really being able to think about an event or an incident and to be able to go through it but the more important thing about this is that very often managers do that on their own but the point you made here that you know what about doing it with the team this module helps managers think about how they can undertake a review with the whole team so that then it's not just the manager that has learned or wants to approach things differently it's owned by everybody yeah. and I, th I think it's a, it's only takes a 35 minute interactive module um, and uh, I think it's well worth everybody having a look at that and seeing whether that's something that would be of use it can give you the, t the real tips about how to undertake it with your team which is the point we were making it's really important but reflection I, I'm with Mark completely I think that whatever methods people use to be able to really learn and learn from others as we've said there was a theme coming out here learning from the event itself but also sharing that learning with others so that everybody can benefit yeah absolutely and i think i think when you are thinking about reflection you know even if you don't do anything formally just in your head spend five minutes on the way mm. home from from work you know reflecting on that week what's gone well what hasn't gone well and what are the things I can learn from that you know just it doesn't have to be something that you need to write down obviously some people work you know kind of do things better if they're writing down and other people just want to think about it but just doing that reflection uh, on a on a regular basis I think is really important Absolutely. And I should have said that our, our module, not only is it at no cost, but also you can claim back Workforce Development Fund for it. So it's a no-brainer. <laughs> it is a complete no-brainer. <laughs> so 
thank you very much for today. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Care Exchange. We always say, you know, one small request, tell another manager about the podcast and show them how to access the podcast if you can. Uh, and thanks very much for today. Bye. Yeah. Bye.